Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Jesus, and I am a partner here at the Musty Creative. The Musty Creative supports storytelling and storytellers that kindle love in the hearts of humankind. We are very grateful to have you with us today. On today's show, Pokemon is getting a live action show. Can you guess which streaming platform? Terry Silver is coming to Cobra Kai Season 4, and I watched Kevin Hart's Fatherhood. Let's start the show. series is in early development at Netflix. Variety has learned exclusively from sources. As the project is still in its early days, no details are available about the plot. However, sources say that Joe Henderson is attached to write and executive produce. Henderson currently serves as co-showrunner and executive producer on the popular Netflix series Lucifer, which is preparing to air its sixth and final season at the streamer. Sources also say that the project would be a live-action series akin to the Detective Pikachu film starring Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith that was released in 2019. Before we go on in the article, I am ecstatic and excited for the development of a Netflix live-action Pokemon series. First of all, I'm a big fan of Netflix. If you watch, or sorry, if you've listened to enough of our episodes, you'll find out that we primarily talk about, you know, movies and film and television shows on two major platforms, Disney Plus and Netflix. Sometimes we do talk about Apple TV Plus stuff, but mainly it's Disney and Netflix. And we love Netflix and I'm so glad this is happening on Netflix. But also, I'm a big Pokemon fan. I've been a Pokemon fan since I played the blue version or red version on my Game Boy back when I was a kid. So I loved watching Detective Pikachu. That was a great film. Now we're going to get a live action film. So let's continue with this article. The Pokemon franchise, uh, and I'm sorry, not a live action film, a live action series. The Pokemon franchise as a whole has become a worldwide phenomenon since first launching in 1995. That's right. Put some respect on Pokemon, please. The franchise now encompasses multiple television shows, films, video games, the trading card game, books, manga, comics, and much more. On the live-action front, Detective Pikachu proved to be a box office success upon its release. The film grossed over $430 million worldwide on a reported budget of $150 million. Mmm, buku bucks right there. Yeah, so my only fear, my only trepidation hearing this news is that if Detective Pikachu had a budget of $150 million reported, and of course, a lot of that budget goes to marketing, how much of a budget is this live action series going to get? Because what was great about Detective Pikachu is that the Pokemon CG stuff happening and also the blending of like human live action and you know the buildings and the settings and the locations worked pretty well and i would be afraid that netflix would give this show a smaller budget 
and it looking like a dud when it comes out. So I hope that's not the case. And I really, 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 really want Netflix to take this show seriously, to give it the proper budget it needs, and to get out of the way of the creators here, make sure that there's an awesome story, and hopefully they do something more interesting than just like a new trainer. Just like with, you know, with Ash, Ketchum's story. Oh, it's a new trainer in a new region. How many badges will he collect or she collect? I think it would be more interesting if they did something on the darker side, kind of like what they did with Detective Pikachu, but from they did it from the police work, detective work, which is really awesome. What if they did a Team Rocket-based storyline? That would be cool. So maybe we'll get something like that. And since it is John Henderson who works on Lucifer, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll see the darker side, maybe like a Giovanni plotline or Gary, but Gary goes bad. Something like that. That would be really cool. All right, story number two, Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3 is coming to Cobra Kai season four. Cobra Kai stands out as a continuation of a beloved franchise because of its ability to enchant fans of the original and also welcome newcomers in a way few other reboots or revivals have been able to do at this level. That is a very true statement. Cobra Kai, for some reason, is so good. It's like, because Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3 and the next Karate Kid are good movies, they're not great, but Cobra Kai takes it to the next level, builds out the lore. It's really, really well done. This article that I'm reading from is from Deadline. So it continues here. The Secret says Healed, who's one of the co-showrunners, I believe, or co-writers, is that he, Hurwitz, and Schlossberg are devoted to the original story. And that's all you kind of want to hear about. There's more in this article if you want to look it up for yourself. But that's what you want to hear. You want to hear that people are dedicated to the original story, that they haven't abandoned it or they don't think it's good enough to continue. And that's what you see in Cobra Kai seasons one, two, and three. You see a continuation of the Daniel LaRusso story in the life of his child, Sam, but also in the lives of the other young people that are around Sam's age. Obviously, like Miguel and Robbie King. So that is really awesome. And, you know, you you do have Daniel LaRusso, but again, it's also really the stories about Johnny Lawrence. He really is the main protagonist. And so seeing how he views things and how he's trying to level up in, in this new adult life and be a better father, just be a better man altogether, is great. Really, really good stuff. All right, so let's continue with the article. Although Heald wouldn't tease much as to what fans can expect from the upcoming Season 4, he confirmed that shooting has been completed and all episodes are currently in post-production. So we are almost there, y'all. Post-production. That means no more producing, no more on-set film locations. The script has already been done. There's, there should be no revisions. Just editing. Maybe some special effects work has to be done. And maybe you have people come in and and do a couple audio takes just to sure up their lines. But we're almost done, almost there to see what happens in season four. Can't wait to get back to Cobra Kai. Here's a quote. 
We shot during the thick of the pandemic, and it was our most difficult production from the standpoint of dealing with the COVID pandemic during an already ambitious shoot, he said. We have never been prouder of a season that we've put in the can. So that's great to hear. It continues, we've seen it and we know we've got the goods. We cannot wait for the fans of this franchise to see everything we did this season, knowing everything we went through to put that into place. It's an amazing memory we'll all have knowing that it was a battle and we won. Of course, Cobra Kai writers are using Cobra Kai language battle and and that we won. So oh, cannot wait. And I hope it's more than just the All Valley Tournament, just for my personal opinion on this upcoming season obviously we need the all valley tournament we need to say hey who's the best and honestly i think my i think sam might take it but as far as the rest of the story i really want to get more into tori i think she has more backstory that can be uncovered uh i can't wait to see how crease or not crease but how johnny lawrence and daniel Russo form a dojo together that's gonna be interesting all right, so the article continues. Season three set up an unavoidable battle between Samantha LaRusso, Mary Mauser, and Tori Nichols, Peyton List, a la The Next Karate Kid. But would the trio consider making that a spinoff onto its own or weaving it into season four or beyond? And then here's a quote. Sam and Tori are two of our favorite characters in the series. And their rivalry is a fresh one that certainly cuts to the core for both of them said Hurwitz. We're eager for people to see how it plays out in season four because there's certainly no love lost between those two at the end of season three and there's a lot more between them going forward. Hmm, interesting. The end of the quote says, we think it's a very special season for both those characters. So for those of you who hate Sam, you're getting more Sam, all right? Just deal with it. You're getting more Sam. And for those of you who love Tori, gonna get more tori i think tori is gonna be the key for season four whose daughter is she right uh, it's gonna be crazy all right the article <laughs> there's a lot more from this article but there's a couple two more statements here it was announced in late may that thomas ian griffith would reprise the role of terry silver the karate kid part three baddie who is always there when his old buddy crease needs him most so what is he looking like these days? Obviously older, but still probably a silver fox. So it's going to be good stuff. People are going, here's a quote. People are going to have to tune into season four to find out. Of course, Schlossberg shared with a laugh. For now, we'll say we've been looking forward to working with Thomas Ian Griffith for a long time. And we were very patient with ourselves to find the right moment. And season four is that moment. Y'all, this is what's so good about this article and these quotes. The team behind Cobra Kai has been looking into the future. Now, I do detail this a little bit in a video that just dropped on the Musty Creative YouTube channel. So go and check it out. I think they were not as visionary with the character of Sam early on. But they fixed that, in my opinion, for season two, through season two and definitely season three. She's a lot more interesting. She's a lot more dynamic. But... They have been seeing this vision from a very long time ago. The fact that they're, they were thinking a long time ago about bringing in Terry Silver really makes me happy to know that this is going to be a complete storyline. 
this is not going to be something that's going to Netflix is going to be like, well, we need season we need season seven and eight and ten. Now, if they have a story for that, beautiful. But I don't think this show is going to go longer than a fifth season. I think fourth season will probably be the highest that it will get to as far as like drama and action. I think someone's going to actually die in season four, in my opinion. I think it's time to pull off the kid gloves and kill somebody on this show. One Tree Hill, back in the day, killed somebody on the show. I think it, I think One Tree Hill killed like two major characters, right? And that's a show about like high school drama, essentially, and love romance between high school sweethearts. Cobra Kai is about kicking butt. Someone has got to go. They almost did it with Miguel. Don't touch Miguel. Leave Miguel alive. But someone has to go. That's my opinion. But I think season five... We'll just kind of clean things up, give us some more extra time with the characters just to see how they're doing. And they can make their final social decisions about who they're going to be with, who they are going to be moving forward, how they deal with the aftermath of the loss that should happen in season four. In my opinion, that's what I think is going to happen. All right. But bringing in Terry Silver, ooh, it's going to be so good. Who is he related to? I, I think all this is about relationships, father and daughter father and son mother and son mother and daughter it's going to be so good y'all cannot wait for this Fatherhood has debuted on Netflix, starring Kevin Hart, and it tells a dramatic story of a man who has it all and then loses his wife suddenly and now has to learn how to live life and parent without his love. This film does hit the heart with pain, loss, and grief. I watched it myself on Netflix. I put it in my list of things to watch when it first came out. Just didn't have time to get to it because of other things, mainly because of Cruella, Quiet Place Part 2, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. There's so many things to watch. There's so much content. But I finally got to Fatherhood, and I'm really glad I did. Just to get it out of the way, did I like or dislike the film? I liked it a lot. It's a definite recommend from me. I'm so glad Netflix picked up the story, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So y'all... Go out and support Kevin. Go out and support this film and this story. Now, the movie has the first line, which starts with, This sucks. Literally, that's how it starts. It starts like this. Bro. Let me start with the crocodile tears now. This sucks. This sucks. First line of the movie. And I honestly laughed out loud because I was afraid that the movie was trying to warn me and say, Hey, you're about to waste your time. Don't watch this film. That was my immediate reaction. I think the first couple scenes were a little rough. And also maybe it's just my own biases of watching Kevin Hart do comedy, watching him show up randomly for sports stuff and doing comedy, and then seeing him in a movie such like Ride Along with Ice Cube. That Those biases in my head 
needed to be removed. Once they were removed, and I just saw Kevin Hart playing a dad who is who's grieving and who doesn't know a thing about parenting, then once you once you slip into that mindset, you can really start to enjoy this film. first couple of scenes in the film threw me off because I'm expecting to start crying immediately but they have this this scene between Lil Rel and Kevin Hart and I actually really like Lil Rel's character and Lil Rel and Kevin Hart have this interaction between them that is is funny it I look back to it and I go back to that scene and I'm laughing Lil Rel's trying to comfort his friend Kevin Hart is like not having any of it. He gets like Arthur mad and like bowls up his fist. He's gonna he threatens Lorel like he's gonna punch him in the face. I also have to say though, Kevin Hart, like I knew Kevin Hart was short, but this film really shows how short Kevin Hart is. Lil Rel, who's not very tall himself either, looks like huge in that scene that I'm describing when he goes in to hug Kevin. So it but it it, it 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 doesn't ruin the film experience. It was just something that kept coming up for me where I was like, wow, he's really short. It doesn't mean that Kevin can't have a successful, you know, film career. Tom Cruise is really short as well, and obviously that's not hindered him. And I think from watching this film, when you watch it, you'll start to see Kevin does have the makings of being a, a really good actor. I don't know if he'll ever win an Oscar for acting. It would really depend on the perfect kind of role. And I don't have anything in mind from a historical drama perspective that he could play. But, and I'm not even going to throw in any jokes because I know people would be like, well, he could play like one of MLK's little kids or something. Like, I know people would do that. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not saying that's that's funny. All right. I'm not saying that's something that should be done. The point here is, is that if he gets one of those great historical drama roles, I think Kevin has the chops acting wise and he has such great timing because of his comedic background. I think he has the chops to pull it off. He needs he needs only to learn how to cry more on set, right? That's the only thing I would say. But I felt deep emotions, deep, deep emotions whenever there were sad moments and Kevin was doing them. Except for, again, like the first line the first couple lines of the movie where he was sad, I, you know, I didn't quite get it, but then I, you know, later on it came through. So let's read the tagline from IMDb. It says this, a father brings up his baby girl as a single dad after the unexpected death of his wife who died a day after their daughter's birth. It was really sad. It was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. This film is actually based on a book written by a man named Matthew Logalin, if I'm saying that correctly, entitled Two Kisses for Maddie, A Memoir of Loss and Love, which came out in April of 2011, according to Amazon's website. 
it was a very interesting story choice and casting choice to make the family and most of the cast black when Matthew, the, the original author of the story, is actually white. It felt like fatherhood was a next step after the Oscar-winning animated short film Hair Love, which featured positive depictions of black fathers and their black daughters. So Hair Love is about one black father, one black daughter. But what I'm saying here is that fatherhood is like the next step. It shows like another great depiction of black father, black daughter. And I was there for it. It was really great. Those scenes make you warm inside. They make you feel good. No matter what your race. I just thought it was interesting that the original person was white and they made that choice. I wonder what went into that story choice. And I wonder if it was influenced by them getting Kevin Hart. Or was that a choice made after, like, did they make the choice to race bend the character and then they got Kevin Hart? Or did they get Kevin Hart and said, let's race bend the character and all the family members? The movie's story also seemed to take place in Boston, Massachusetts, which turned out to be a great location for the film. There was so many great locations in the city. Felt like I was getting to know the city. And it was also a beautiful looking film. They found great times to get the right lighting. And a lot of natural light was used in this film. It was just beautiful. And all of the color correction was super on point. Especially just as a black man. It's nice to see films getting better at color correction. And you know using black faces. And so that was just really great to see. It was just a really well done, very beautiful, well lit uh, film. And I think the cinematography was excellent on this film. Now, what really hit me was the relationship of Matt, played by Kevin Hart, and his mother-in-law, Marion, played by Alfre Woodard. That relationship definitely hit me. And the relationship between Matt and his daughter, Maddie, played by Melody Hurd. That was, that was a beautiful relationship. Just all the things, I'm not a parent yet, but all the things where I'm thinking this is what I would feel like as a parent, wanting to be there for my kid, that was just all throughout the film. Once, again, once you get past the tragedy of Matt losing his wife, which is so sad, very devastating, but then once you get into that father-daughter relationship, mm, so, so good. But the relationship between Matt and Marion, it reminded me, his mother-in-law, it reminded me a little bit of my own life in marrying into a family and not feeling quite accepted or that they don't, they don't fully support you. So that was just something that really hit for me personally. And I, you see it a lot in this film where there's this battle between Matt and Mary and his mother-in-law and just sometimes almost outright like arguments where it gets personal and Matt like walks away and Marion is just like, it seems like she's really being pushy in a way. To me, she seems like the film's antagonist. And that would be my only critique of the film is I think they could have used her a little bit more to kind of really thrust the knife into Matt and really put him into a sense of despair. I think the film is really good from a story perspective. It's, it's very tight. The act two is actually done really well. In fact, to me, the weakest part of the film is probably the first act. But once you get past the inciting incident and you understand that Matt is going to take care of his daughter and he's not going to back down from being a parent, which was awesome to see and a great 
role models to see as far as depicting, again, positive black images into the world. That was great to see. Once we get past that point, then the act two is really just a lot of fun because Kevin Hart is, is still sad and there's moments where he's sad, but he gets to be more like like a father, which he actually is. And him and Maddie had this great you know back and forth relationship. Just her playing poker with 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 Matt and his friends, you know that was that was really great. And they're they're playing for cookies, like you know all stuff like that was really really awesome. I haven't read Matthew Logalin's book, but I would be curious as to how much his in laws played into the original story. And like I said before, once Maddie enters the picture as a dominant on screen presence, mainly in Act Two, the film really picks up. There are beautiful montages and jokes between her and her dad. It was just really beautiful to see. And then there's also the the storyline going on where Matt is still really not over the death of his wife. And it comes up later on in the film and, and really is the antithesis for the Act 2 climax and what he's going through. And for a second, I thought Maddie was really going to have the, like a more devastating arc and you're going to feel really bad for her and you still do but it was really matt who needed to grow he grew the most and i really appreciate that it was a story about matt and his growth and not just a story about matt at the beginning he's just used to kind of thrust the daughter into the into the limelight it was a really good story and saying hey dads single dads are out there and they go through stuff and they deal with these things but it told it in a in a nice story that wasn't boring and it was refreshing in the end i definitely recommend this movie i don't think it's an oscar nominated movie but i definitely saw a great range from kevin hart in this film and i would like to see more serious roles for him like i discussed earlier also this is a great story because it rings true for a real person's experience the lesson of write what you know is ringing loudly in this whole story and I, I do want to talk about that, writing what you know, just, just a little bit. I got this from a Masterclass uh, article. It says, writing what you know means finding aspects of your story and characters that you deeply relate to. So characters or people in history and seeing the relations between them and you. And obviously, two different people, two different individuals, but there's still relatability. And that's the beauty and power of storytelling is I can watch a movie or a television show or read a book about a female in a different part of the world, but I can find things that relate us and I can be impacted emotionally by the story and the character, even though I'm not female. So here are four things that can help you get into this idea of writing what you know. Number one, will you follow emotional truths, emotional truths for yourself? Number two, reflect on a period of time in your life. Number three, free write in a journal, or you can actually do something even more abstract. This helps me a lot just to start writing and writing nonsense or just drawing and just like, just for the sake of it, not because you have to meet a quota that day of your writing, but just to write. And just be like, I saw a bird eat an entire watermelon and it disturbed me because I thought what would happen if the watermelon came out the other side. Right. Just start there. That's like really weird. 
random abstract stuff. And number four, oh no, number five, place yourself in your character's shoes. And of course, this is something you hear all the time, but just take some time to do some method acting, as it were, in your living room, in your bed. Just have some fun with it. You know, it's like playtime when you're a kid. Imagination land. <laughs> Imagination land, South Park. Wow, what a reference. And lastly, I want to say you could feel the emotions and tensions all throughout this film. Great job by Matthew Loughlin for writing down his experience. And I thank him for sharing his story with all of us. On next week's episode, I will jump into some mid-year rankings. And I think I found a modern movie worse than Cats 2019. So you don't want to miss next week's episode. And if you want to be a featured guest on our show, email us at themustycreative at gmail.com and tell us your story. And we want to thank our monthly supporters. And if you want to be a monthly supporter for us, support the Musty Creative Podcast, support our creative work, such as our film and our upcoming mobile game, then become a patron a patron at patreon.com. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash musty creative and help make the show even better. And we want to thank our Patreon producer, Megan. Thank you so much for so many months of support. We really thank you for being there for us. And that's all we have time for. Remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now it's time to shower up. Give them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.